Okay, you guys ready? Yes. All right. Right now, all of those who are a priest in this room, right now, please stand up. Please stand up. Okay, I want you to remain standing. Now, obviously, as you can tell, uh, you didn't immediately stand up, <laughs> right? Because there's a concept within us, probably, that I am not a priest. That may be somebody official, somebody with a shirt and a collar. Where's your collar? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody with pants? Where are your pants? Oh. <laughs> you know, yeah. may, maybe someone who's been to uh, Bible school, uh. Uh, seminary, yeah. theology school. Yeah. Maybe they've been ordained. Yeah. They're a priest, right? right? Oh. But not me. I'm just little old me. I'm just a freshman or a sophomore or I'm just a nobody, really, right? I'm just glad I'm saved, but I'm not a priest. So if anybody asked me, so what are you? I would never tell them, I'm a priest. I don't, I don't know if how many of us in this room, if someone would ask you, what do you do? You would say, well, I'm a priest. <laughs> but the truth is, according to the Bible, all of us have been made priests to God. Not just one priest, not just a group of priests, but God has made us into a kingdom of priests. And hence, that is the topic tonight. We are a kingdom, even a nation of priests. Okay? And so tonight, whatever hesitation we have that we're not a priest, whatever concept we have of what a priest is, I want to take that. I want to lob it up like a slow softball, and I want to just hit it yeah. outside the park, okay? Uh -huh. We're going to bury that concept once and for all. We want to see what the Bible has to say about being a priest, so that after tonight, when I ask you, all those stand, who are a priest in this room, please, and even before I can say the word stand, you're on your feet. Right. Okay? All right, thank you. You can have a seat. Okay, so Roman number one. It says here, from the beginning to the end of the Bible, God wants to gain a priesthood. Pretty bold declaration. This is something God wants. If you ask God, God, what do you want? He'll tell you, I want a priesthood. And this priesthood that God desires, that he wants, started in the Old Testament. So let's read letter A together. Ready, go. Okay. So we all know the story. We've been through this semester. All right. God appears to Moses in the burning bush. Eventually, God sends him into Egypt. God wants to bring his people out. We talked about the Passover. And so a lot of us think, wonderful, Passover, salvation. That's it. What more do I need? But actually, God's bringing out his people had more to do than the Passover. And the salvation is not an end in itself. 
And so the first time that Moses goes into Egypt and he talks to Pharaoh in Exodus 5.1, says here, And afterward Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, Thus says Jehovah, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. Well, you may say here, it doesn't say anything about serving, being a priest. Okay? This is a very important point. We're going to come back to this verse. This is actually our secret verse tonight. Aha. It's kind of like, uh, you know, grandma's spaghetti sauce. This verse is our secret ingredient tonight. <laughs> All right? We're going we're gonna to come back to it many times. Okay? Now, interestingly, for the rest of Exodus, whenever Moses says the same statement again, he does not say, let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me. Let's read Exodus 7, 16 together. Ready, go. And you shall say to him, Jehovah, the God of the Hebrews, and send me to you, saying, let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. That they may what? Serve me. That they may serve me. And so for the next few times in chapters 8, 9, and 10, every time this phrase is mentioned, it says the exact same thing. God wanted a group of people that he would bring out of Egypt, and when they would come out of Egypt, their goal was that they would serve God. They would serve God. Okay? Um... I forgot to put that verse on here. But later on in the wilderness, God tells them that he is making them a kingdom of priests. And so first, what a priest is, is one who serves God. Okay? And so you may ask, what does that mean to serve God? Does that mean I work for him? No, it's not what that means. To serve God is to have God as our occupation. Okay? So... Many of us here are studying for all kinds of things, and you're thinking one day I'm going to be a big star producer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right? One day I'm going to be an engineer. What are you? <laughs> doctor. Doctor. Ah. Wow. <laughs> it was engineer, doctor, or lawyer, right? Robert, one day I'm going to be a what? Accountant. An accountant. Okay. <laughs> It's true. One day we're going to be a fill-in-the-blank, okay? That is not your occupation. That is your vocation. Okay? According to the Bible, our occupation is to serve God as a priest. Now, we know the story eventually because the children of Israel worshipped the golden calf. God took the priesthood away from them. And out of 12 tribes, he only gave one tribe the privilege to serve him as priest. So something that God had intended for the whole nation of Israel to have, something that God intended for the whole nation of Israel to do and to become, because of their sinful failure and their idolatry, God took the priesthood away and gave that to the tribe of Levi. Okay? So from this point on to the rest of the Old Testament, not everyone could serve God. If you, want, if you sin in the Old Testament, according to God's commandment, if you committed a sin, then what God says is you need to go 
and you need to bring a dove or a pigeon. If it was a big sin, you may have to bring a bull. The bigger the sin, the bigger the animal, right? And you knew that according to how, what God has commanded, even as far back as Genesis, that the way to be reconciled with God, to appease him, to propitiate, is to offer a sacrifice to God. So maybe you just committed a sin, you realize, okay, this thing is weighing on me, it's heavy on me. Yeah. I don't want to be in this situation. I feel horrible. So you grab a, a bull and you take out the sword and you're getting ready to slaughter it. And the tribe of Levi would say, uh 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 uh, oh, no. you don't have the privilege. Yeah. Only the tribe of Levi can do that. Yeah. So if there wasn't a Levi around, you had to wait until that one came around. Could be days, could be weeks, who knows? Eventually you find a Levi and say, oh, thank goodness I found you. I, I committed a sin. I want to I be good with God again. So can you sacrifice this, this bull for me, this lamb, this pigeon? Can you do it for me? That's how it's done. But think about this. When God first came to Israel through Moses and Aaron, and he told them about the Passover, who slaughtered the lamb during the Passover? Were Levites there to slaughter the lamb? Who slaughtered the lamb? Everybody. Everybody did. This shows that God's original intention was everyone could sacrifice to God. Yeah. Everyone could serve God. Amen. Everyone could offer up an animal to God. Any household. It wasn't restricted. God said, whoever wants to offer a lamb to me, you'll get the Passover. Amen. He didn't say, well, you know, first you make sure you got them Levites around you and uh, better do it quick because I'm coming tonight. Yeah. No. So we know from the beginning God's intention was all of the children of Israel would serve God as priest. But because of their failure, God took the honor, the privilege, the blessing of serving God and gave it only to the tribe of, his, uh, tribe of Levi. Okay? So that's the history of the Old Testament. Now, when we come to the New Testament, we see that the Lord Jesus, through his work and accomplishment, he has recovered what was lost in the Old Testament. Because God's desire is to have a priesthood. Not just one priest, not even just one tribe of priests, a whole nation of priests, a kingdom of priests, okay? So, uh, let's read B together. Ready, go. Okay, brothers on five, sisters on six, and everybody on 22-3. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has released us from our sins by his blood. He made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be the glory and the might forever and ever. Amen. And there will no longer be a curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his slaves will serve him. So you see verse 5, do you see the Passover in verse 5? You see the New Testament Passover in verse 5? The reality of the Old Testament type? Yeah. Look at there. And from Jesus Christ 
to him who loves us and has released us from our sin by his blood. What did they do in the Passover with the blood of the lamb? They, that's how they got out of there. They apply the blood. So verse 5 is a, the reality, the fulfillment of the Old Testament Passover. So just as the children of Israel were released through the Passover, through the blood of the lamb, here we are. We have been released from sin through his blood. And then what? So we can just go on a journey? No. And made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. See, this is the New Testament. It follows the same pattern. Just as what God did with the children of Israel, that was in typology, God is now doing in reality and fulfillment in the New Testament with the church. All those who are redeemed by the blood, regenerated with the Spirit, what God desires to do is to make them into a kingdom of priests that we would serve God. Okay? And the last verse I put there, 22.3, that's actually in the New Jerusalem. Okay? That verse belongs to the New Jerusalem. It's the last chapter in the Bible. And the New Jerusalem, obviously, is in eternity future, like forever and ever. So guess what we will be doing forever and ever? We will serve the Lord. Amen. Okay, we will serve the Lord. Okay. Now, Roman number two says, in order to realize what a priest is, we need to see God's eternal plan. So we know that a priest is to serve God. So if... Uh, if I come up to Ty and I say, Ty, I want to serve you. Okay? <laughs> What's the next thing that needs to happen? I need to know what he wants. Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah, true. I mean, uh, you know, when you go to a restaurant and the waiters, you know, come up to you, they're, 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 serve, they're, they're serving tables, right? Okay, they come up. They say, what do you want to drink? What do you want to eat? They need to know what you want. Yeah. Do you want anything? Yeah. Right? Does that make sense? Right. So if we're going to serve God, then it is obviously imperative that we need to ask God, what do you want? Yes. <laughs> Does the Bible tell us what God wants? Yes. What? Yes. What? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Amen. The Bible reveals to us that God has a plan. God has a will. God has a desire. He has a purpose. He has an economy. Take a deep breath. He has an eternal economy, an eternal purpose, a heart's desire of, according to his good pleasure. The Bible clearly reveals this. In layman's term, God has a want. He wants something. So if we're going to serve God, we need to know what he wants. And the best way to know what he wants is to go back to the beginning. Because from the very beginning, God is shouting to man, here, man, this is what I want. Okay? So Roman number one says, God's plan, comma, economy, comma, purpose, comma, will, comma, plan, comma, want, comma, desire, is to work himself into a group of people in order that he might be their life and that they might be his expression. How do we know this? How can we prove this? Genesis 1.26. And God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. There it is. God made a man. Not just any man. 
a man that has the image of God and he has the likeness of God. So when you look at man, who does he look like? He looks like God. Okay, I want you to imagine this. Well, come here real quick. Let's say you're, let's say here's, you know, God. He's, you know, in Genesis 2, 7, you know, it says he formed man out of dust of the ground, formed his body, you know. And then, you know, he breathes into his nostril the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And we know that this, this, this thing, right, it's in the image of God. It's in the likeness of God. I mean, who does he look like? God. God. Okay. So, let's say you're, uh, what's your favorite animal? It's not a tough question. Uh, wolf. A wolf. Okay. <laughs> hey, now. Well, you better get on all four then. Oh, no. So, let's say you're a wolf, and you walk by. You walk by. And here is God. He's finishing up, the, you know, making man. And you go, oh, God, you, you just made what? You just made what? Thank you. Oh. <laughs> Listen, if, if, if I was in art class and you gave me some clay and I'm fashioning it, you know, into the image of a lion, the likeness of a lion, maybe I make the lions like roaring or something, and you walk by, you go, oh, that's pretty cool, Tino, you made a lion. Right? Is that what you say to me? Yeah. So when God is there, he's in art class, <laughs> you know? <laughs> He's got some clay, some red dirt. He's working with it. Yeah. And you walk by, and God's, he's doing this clay. The clay starts at the image of God, has the likeness of God. You know, and you mow it on by, you go, oh, that's pretty cool, God. You made, what? We're scared to say, aren't we? God made God. He made a creature that looked just like him. For the first time in the universe, there's a creature that looks like exactly like God. Yeah. Prior to this, only God looks like God. But all of a sudden, here in Genesis 1.26, there is a creature, not God, has no creative power, it's not omniscient, it's not omnipotent, it's not anything special. He's a creature like all the other creatures God's made, except he looks just like God. Yeah. Why? Why does he look just like God? Because he, God made him because God desires that he would express God. He would become his expression. And God gave man dominion to represent his authority. And then, look at this here. You know, verse 26, if you're not careful, all the little pronouns will throw you around. And God said, let us, that's the Trinity, Make man in our image, the R, that's the triune God, according to our likeness. Then there's another switch, and let them, let them have dominion. God made one man, but this man is a corporate man. God made a corporate man. So his desire was, I just don't want one man who will be my express, expression. I want a group of men, maybe a nation of men, yeah. who together in a sense, as one man would be my expression and represent my authority on the earth. Yeah. Okay? And of course, God did not intend for Adam to fulfill this by himself. But the way for Adam to fulfill this was by eating the tree of life. And 
for Adam to eat the tree of life would indicate that he would receive God into him as life. So not only outwardly, he would have the likeness and the image of God, but inwardly, he would be filled with the life of God. Okay? And so in uh, Genesis 2, 9, let's read this together. Ready to go. So here it is. After this spectacular, wonderful creation, never before seen in the universe, you know, a creature who looks like God, who expresses God, represents God. Okay? And so now, God is going to have a conversation with man. Okay, Robert? And so what are they going to talk about? You know, what are we going to talk about? You know, and you know what God decides to talk about? He says, let's talk about worship. Does he talk about worship? Now, don't you know who I am? I'm the great creator. I just made you. You know how amazing you are? There are no creatures like you. If you want me to be your God, you have to worship me. No. If you want me to be your God, build me an altar. Prove yourself to me. Climb the highest mountain. Swim the what? The widest ocean. Right? No. Of all the things God decides to have a conversation with Adam, he talks about eating. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about eating. I'm concerned about your diet. I don't know. If I were there back then, I would have like, excuse me, what are we talking about? God says, let's talk about eating. The first thing God is concerned with is eating. In fact, later on it says that God commanded the man to eat the tree of life. That's the first time the word command is used in the Bible. So the very first commandment given to man was concerning eating the tree of life. Not the Ten Commandments. The first commandment is the tree of life. Eat the tree of life. So the first thing God desires is for man to eat the tree of life, which is God himself, so that God, man could receive God into him so that he would have the life within that could express God and could represent God's authority. So God never intended for man to do it by himself. Rather, God afforded man the tree of life, and God said, you need to eat. Why eat? Because eating is for enjoyment, right? Eating is for pleasure. That's why we eat. So God says, we're going to take the way of enjoyment. I want you to enjoy me as your life. And if you would do this, then you will fulfill my intention to express me and represent me. Okay, that's from the beginning. Okay, now B, I hope that B is going to tie everything together, okay? So let's read B together. Go. Man was Okay, brothers on 26, and we'll alternate sisters 27 and so forth. Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you have seen signs, but because you ate of bread and were filled. Were not for the food which 
Everybody on John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the authority to become children of God, to those who believe in Jesus' name. Okay, so um, <clears throat> here in the story in John, the Lord had just fed them miraculously, okay? He fed them with food. Then the next day they come back, and they want the Lord to feed them again, okay? <clears throat> and the Lord tells them, he says, work not for the food which perishes, but for the food which abides unto eternal life. So he tells them, work. Okay? Then their natural response, maybe even their religious response, in verse 28, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Okay? Then the Lord says this. Here's his response. This is the work of God. So he tells you straight up, this is the work of God, that you believe into him whom he has sent. Now, if this is the only verse we have, it's not bad, but if this is the only verse we have, we, we're missing something. Because when the Bible says believe, there's more going on. Because earlier in John in chapter 1, the Bible tells us that when we believe, we also need to receive. receive. Right? That's John 1.12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the authority to become sure of God to those who believe into his name. I'm going to borrow this. So, for example, if I say, Will... Yeah. I heard you broke your phone last week. Yeah. I have an extra phone. Oh. And so uh, I'm going to give you one of my phones. Do you believe me? Yes. But do you have it? No. Until what? Until you give it to me. Until I give, I'm willing to give it to you. Yeah. I need to take it. You need to receive it. Yes. You see? You may believe all you want, but if you haven't received it, do you have it? No. No. So the Bible tells us in John 12, we have to believe and we also have to receive. receive. That's why he has to say, Lord, I believe in you. And then we have to ask him, come into my heart. Come into my spirit. I want to receive you. So when the Lord says, this is the work of God, that you believe into him, he also means that you should also receive me. Yeah. And he took the opportunity here to tell him this because chapter 6 of John is the eating chapter. He had just fed them with physical food, and now he was going to tell them, I am the real spiritual food, and I want you to eat me. So when the Lord came in the New Testament, he is just recovering what he wanted back from Genesis. And so here we see a principle that the real work of God first begin by us coming to him to receive him. God wants us to spend time with him, open ourselves to him so that he can fill us, he can saturate us, he can permeate us with himself. And when he does this, then we will become his expression and we will represent his authority. And out of this will issue, out of this will flow a service to God. Does that make sense? 
First, God doesn't want us to do something for him. He wants to do something for us. So he says, listen, don't do anything for me. First, open yourself to me. Come spend time with me. Come talk to me. Come pray to me. Come sing with me. Give me a way in. Give me an opening. I want to feed you with bread. I want to fill you with living water. Breathe me in. Call on me. Let me saturate you. Let me permeate you. Then after this, having opened ourselves to God, receiving God, then automatically there's a flow that will come out of that. And that flow is our service to God. Does that make sense? Okay. Let's go to the last Roman numeral. Life and service. Let's read this together. 1 Peter 2, 2 to 5. Sisters on 2, brothers on 3, and let's alternate. And then everybody on Romans 5, 16 together. Go. Everyone. That I might be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, a laboring priest of the gospel of God, in order that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, having been sanctified in the Holy Spirit. Okay. This is life and service. So to serve God in the priesthood is a matter of life and service. First, we experience him and enjoy him as life, and then out of that comes our service to him. And so just like the pattern here, first, what? We long for the guileless milk of the word. Drink it in. It causes us to grow. And while we do this, we taste the Lord. What a verse. Amen. Taste the Lord. I hope you will never, ever not know what that verse means. If someone asks you, what have you been doing today? I've been tasting the Lord. Amen. What did you do yesterday? I tasted the Lord. Yeah. And you know what? He is good. Amen. What does it mean to taste the Lord? It means to eat him, to drink him, to take him in, to enjoy him. Coming to him. Coming to him. A living stone, right? And then, verse 5, right? You yourselves also, we ourselves also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house into a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. And what is this, what is this uh, sacrifice that is acceptable? In Romans 5, 16. This sacrifice is what a laboring priest of the gospel of God, right, offering the Gentiles, meaning we... Offer people to God. Okay? So listen, I know this summer, a number of you are going to participate in the summer internship. And you're probably thinking, what am I going to do? What do they want me to do? What kind of work am I going to do? I think I'm supposed to serve the Lord. I'm not even sure what that means. Okay. What it means is first, 
We come to Him. Coming to Him. Taste Him. Enjoy Him. Every morning, this is how we should begin. Wake up in the morning, don't check the news, don't check email, don't check Instagram, don't check Facebook, don't check Twitter, don't check anything. Yeah. Find some time, at least 10 minutes, and open yourself to the Lord. Amen. Sometimes it's very good to just open the Word and begin to read the Word and pray over the Word and open ourselves to the Lord, begin to call on Him, Lord Jesus, I love you, I love you. Thank you, you're good. I want to taste you. That's what it means to serve him. We have to begin with life. So this summer, I would hope, you wouldn't, we wouldn't have the concept, oh, I can do this, I can do that, and uh, send me here, and I'll do this work, and I'll do that work. Every morning, the first thing we must take care of is coming to the Lord to enjoy him as our life, to take him in as the milk of the word, to enjoy him as the tree of life, to enjoy him as the river of water of life, even our very breath, to enjoy him even as our clothing, as our everything. See that? Then the Lord will saturate us and permeate us and fill us with himself. And then when you come to campus or when you step out in front of the table or when you meet another freshman or when you're in the meeting, it doesn't matter whether you're handing out a cup of lemonade. Oh, that doesn't seem so spiritual. Why would a priest, you would think a priest could hand out lemonade? No, a priest should be up in the pulpit, you know, giving a sermon or something, right? That's what a priest should be doing. But when we have spent time with the Lord and we're saturated with him, then the life flows through us. And it may just be that while you're standing there, there's a little freshman walks by, and there's just a sense within. Give him a cup of lemonade. And you say, amen, Lord. And so there you go, a cup of lemonade. It doesn't seem so spiritual. It doesn't seem so mystical or mysterious, but that's serving God. Amen. That's offering an acceptable sacrifice to God, right? Maybe it's, uh, you know, the meeting's over, Ice Cream Connect's done, and there's uh, trash on the table. And, and because I've been enjoying the Lord, we've been enjoying Him and letting Him penetrate our being, He begins to speak to us. He may say, why don't you just uh, clean up the table over there? And we say, amen, Lord. It's just something so hum human, so normal. And so there I am. Nobody would even notice anything. Nobody would see anything special. Just take the trash, pick it up, a few things, right? It seemed very normal. But actually that is service to the Lord. Of course, clearly if we're up and we're sharing our testimony, we automatically think that's service to God, okay? Well, it may or may not be service to God. It depends on whether that service, our functioning in the priesthood, is the issue of our enjoyment of the life of the Lord within us. Okay, so tonight, what I want you to get is God desires a kingdom of priests, a whole nation of priests, that they would serve him. And the way to serve him is first that we would be filled, saturated, permeated with God and to have God flow out of us so that we might be a living expression of God. This is the definition of a priest. Okay? All right, so let's break up now into small groups, and let's go ahead and do the reading.